Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. When life gives you lemons. Hey, welcome to South Coast Christian. I'm Pastor Tom, and it's great to have you here worshiping with us today. And so thanks for coming up, waking up this morning, and coming out to church and being a part. Come on. Give yourself a round of applause. You made it. You're here. So that's really a good thing. Uh, if you're a guest with us today, I want to say welcome. Thanks for choosing to worship with us at South Coast Christian. We hope that by the end of the day that this church will become home to you. Uh, we believe in the power of God. We believe that God wants to intervene in our lives and do great and miraculous things. Our vision statement here at the church is to see what God can do through our lives. When we live in an environment of faith, when we live in an environment of hope, an environment of encouragement, God can do wonderful things in your life. So I just want to say a big thank you for being here today. If you are a guest, you probably arrived and you got a program called Welcome Home. And inside that program, there's a card that we'd love for you to fill out. I think it just asks for your email and I think for a phone number. And it will just keep you informed of different events that are coming up. We also have a church app. Really cool church app. How many have the church app on their phone? Let me just see. Oh, very cool. Okay, I'm looking at everybody that didn't raise their hands. Okay, after service, I need you to go see Stephanie, and she'll help you load up the church app on your phone. On the church app, we have all of our events. We have our podcast. We have our church calendar. We have all kinds of different things that really helps you stay connected to the church. Super simple. It's easy to download if you have a smartphone. And if not, guess what? Well, then that's why we need your email and address as well so that we can keep uh, in touch with you. But once again, thank you for being our guest. If you're a guest here today, after the service, my wife and I will be in the back, and we'd love just to say hi to you. Uh, come back and just uh, uh, talk to us, and we'd love to just get to know you better. Um, we are in a series, as you can, might see, that, uh, on the study of the fruit of the Spirit. And our sermon series is entitled, When Life Gives You Lemons. The title describes kind of the difficulties that we sometimes face in life. How many of you ever faced difficulties, troubles? I heard some were facing them this morning as they were driving to church. We face them all the time. The question is, how are we going to respond to those difficulties? And someone already spoiled the, the answer already. When life gives you lemons, make lemonade. So there you go. But that's what we should be doing. We should look at, we should look at difficulties and struggles and troubles. So many times we look at them the wrong way. What we should look at them as is opportunities for God to work in and through our life for his glory. Sometimes we need to change our thinking. So many times we cave into things, into difficulties. We just give into them. What happens is like what, what we just sang in the battlefield love. I love that song. And he says, and I love that one part where he says, I'll be the one. I'll be the one. What happens if Christ is just looking for the one who will say that I will not cave into the difficulties of life but I will be the one to glorify you. I'll be the one, Lord God, to share your love. When life gives you lemons, what are you going to make of those things? What would happen if we chose not to, sur to surrender to the difficulties and instead we chose to surrender to God? Instead of surrendering to troubles and difficulties, we said, oh, Lord, I'm going to surrender this to you. I'm surrendering to you. We give God the opportunity to work through our life. 
Now, I'll tell you what, that requires faith. Someone just shared with me this morning that their cousin was just diagnosed with cancer. And when you get that type of news, you can surrender to cancer, or you can say, no, 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 guess what? I'm not going to surrender to cancer. I'm going to have faith rise up in me, and I'm going to give this to God. And God is going to be in control of it because he can do much better with that than I can. Surrender it to Christ. Paul writes these words in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, so the life that he's literally living in his flesh right now, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself to me. The entire book of Galatians, in the entire book of Galatians, when we're studying Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, that's kind of our text. But in the entire book of Galatians, Paul's theological purpose was to free people from the bondage of the law of Moses. It was to free people from the law so that they could live under the wonderful grace of Jesus Christ. That's the purpose of Galatians, to set, people, to set the Jews free from this law that they had known for hundreds, hundreds of years. I want you to set you free from that so that you can live in the grace of Jesus Christ. We're going somewhere today. In doing so, they could start living under the influence of the Holy Spirit and stop living according to the desires of their flesh. It's not that you don't have temptations. We're going to have temptations in our life. Every day I face temptations. It's if I choose to surrender to my temptations or am I going to choose to surrender to Jesus? See, that's the choice that I have to make. There is a supernatural power in the Holy Spirit that we need to, as Christians, learn how to step into. Too many of us just live in our flesh, and we just allow difficulties and thank temptations, and it just takes us whatever course we want, like a ship without a rudder. James talks about that. You just go whatever direction. And Jesus says, no, no, no. Paul says, no, no, I want you to surrender to Christ. Let him be the guide of your life. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to take more control in our lives. You see, the Spirit of Christ lives in us, meaning his Holy Spirit, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, they're all one, and yet they serve in separate roles. The Spirit of, have you, I wish, do you really understand that? The Spirit of God lives in you. He's changing you from the inside out. There's a supernatural power that we need to enter into. And I encourage you this week as we walk through this series of Galatians, and especially Galatians chapter 5, I encourage you to read Galatians 5 several times. Uh, read it today and then maybe read it next week and maybe read it twice. In way. I believe that the more that you're going to read this, the more revelation is going to come about from it. It's one thing for me to share from the platform. It's one thing for me to preach. And I can share you revelation it's another thing when you discover it in God's word for yourself. When all of a sudden it comes alive, man, it sinks deep inside your heart. And that's why I'm encouraging you, read Galatians 5 over the next uh, four or five weeks. Keep reading that scripture and let it come alive to you. Our text today is this, Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Catch Paul's words. There is no law 
against these things. Paul's saying there's nothing in the Mosaic law that says that we can't have love, joy, peace, patience. There is no law against these things. Today, I want to discuss the very first component of this list of the fruit of the Spirit, and that is love. It's easy to argue that this is probably the greatest of all. This is probably the most important part. There is nothing more important than love. In fact, I believe it's the love of God in our lives that triggers everything else. It's the trigger for everything else in our love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, all those other things. It's triggered because of God's love that is resting in our life through the power of his Holy Spirit. If love is not triggering our responses, then what is? Are we, be, are we being kind because we are told to be kind? Are we being good because we are told to be good? It kind of reminds me of raising your kids as you raise your children. You, they're growing up and, and you're, hey, you need to be good and, and you need to be kind and you tell them you need to treat you know, Sally nicer than what you're doing right now. And, and so they're doing things because mom and dad told them to do it. There needs to be a place in their lives as kids, if you're a parent, you want that child not to do something just because you told them to do it. You want something on the inside of them that all of a sudden starts saying, hey, I need to do this because you know what? It's right. I love God. You see, we need to do things not just because we're told to do it. We need to do it because the love of God is inside us directing us in that direction. You see, as we start experiencing and understanding the love of Christ, catch this, then our motives begin to change. His spirit is living in us and begins to change us. We are no longer responding with kindness because we are told to do so. We are no longer responding with goodness because we are told to do so. We are responding with kindness because we love. We are responding with goodness because we love. It might sound trivial. It It might seem like I'm trying to split hairs here, but listen to this. I believe this was the revelation that Christ was trying to share with his followers and his disciples. In Matthew 22, the Pharisees had come to Jesus and they were trying to entrap Jesus. That's what it says in the scripture. They were trying to entrap him. They're trying to test him through questioning him about the law of Moses. One of the Pharisees, who was the expert in the religious laws, says that in scripture, that this Pharisee was an expert in the, think of him as an attorney that has studied the law, he knows every in and out of it, every, every I, every, you know, he dots every I, crosses every T, he knows everything about that law. He's an expert in the law, and he all of a sudden poses a question to Jesus. He asks this, teacher, which is the most, comma- which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Now, I'm not sure what he was trying to do. He's trying to either test him or trick him or trap him. And I'm not quite understanding the complete thing. I think maybe what was trying to happen is he's trying to have Jesus identify one commandment. And then then all of a sudden the Pharisee, this expert of the law, would say, yeah, 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 but God had given us all of the commandments. But listen to Jesus' response. He replies, you must love, this is the answer, which is the most important commandment to the law of Moses? Jesus replies, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. 
What Jesus just did was magnificent. I mean, what he really did, he put, a, he put an answer to the question that literally silenced the Pharisees. Because these are two commandments that you can find in the Old Testament. Love the Lord your God with all your mind, soul, and heart. And love your neighbor as yourself. He replies back to those two things. He says, the basis of all the other laws are based on these two commandments. Guess what? The expert in the law started thinking, he's right. I can't argue that. It became silent. Jesus' words were so true. God's law is completely based on those two commandments. Love God. Love others. In fact, if you read the Ten Commandments, the first four commandments are based to our relationship with God, if you read them. The next six commandments are based on our relationship with others. God is trying to teach us about having loving relationships. You see, the Pharisees were trying to entrap Jesus because he wasn't doing things according to their customs or laws. He wasn't doing things right. He didn't know that that he couldn't sit in that seat of the pew. He didn't know that that was someone else's seat. Oh, I thought I could sit here. Ooh, I'm touching, yeah, little areas. I stepped and I'm getting off of it real quick. Oh, oh, I didn't realize that, that... Whatever, fill in the blank. I won't step on any more toes. See, he wasn't doing things according to their customs. He was healing on the Sabbath. That that was against the, the law. He was touching lepers who were unclean. That was against the law. Now, I'm going somewhere. Follow me on this. That was against the law. He shouldn't be doing that stuff. But he's doing it out of love. The law was good because if you and I would touch a leper, guess what? We might get leprosy. We might pass it on. But this is Jesus, the Son of God. When he touches a leper, he heals him and makes him whole. When he heals a blind man on the Sabbath, it's not for selfish gain. It's to give give him sight. He dared to stop and talk to the Samaritan woman at the well. Don't you know that we don't talk to Samaritans? He was eating with sinners. Republicans, I almost said Republicans. Republic, he was eating with Republicans. <laughs> Just teasing. He would eat with Democrats and Republicans, so there. But he's eating with publicans. He's eating with sinners. That's not right. He stopped the stoning of an adulterous woman who they had drugged out of a home and she was having an affair. And according to the Mosaic law, they could stone her. And he walked up and he stopped and he said, who, with any of you who have not sinned, you cast the first stone. You see, everything that Jesus did was out of love. These are just a few of the examples of the rule breaking that the Pharisees didn't like. The Pharisees were so caught up in the letter of the law Catch this, that they lost the purpose of the law. It had become a merit system towards self-righteousness. It became a competition. Church should never be a competition. competition. Our life in following Jesus should never be a competition. It became a competition. I'm better than you. Like the Pharisee in Jesus' story, Jesus shares about the man who was at the synagogue, and he sees a sinner over in the corner, and the man says, man, thank you, Lord, that I'm not like that sinner. He had lost the whole idea of what the law was all about. The purpose of the law was never to to promote our own self-righteousness. 
The purpose was to reveal our weakness and a need for a savior. In following the law, the Pharisees had become prideful and arrogant and looking down on others. They saw themselves as being superior to others and exalted themselves more than they even exalted God. They had effectively lost the spirit of the commandment, love. Instead of loving others, they had become critical of others. They got caught up in the judgment and persecution. They were literally persecuting people under the name of God. We see this happening in today's society. Listen to where I'm going. Where, where an enforcement agent can induce a person to commit a crime that the person had no previous intent to commit. In some cases, they were completely unaware that it was against the law, but someone leads them to that point, and all of a sudden they break the law, and then they get arrested for that because they broke the law. What it's called, is called the legal term is called entrapment. Entrapment. You're entrapping someone into something they really didn't understand. The Mosaic law was being used by the Pharisees to entrap people instead of using the law to protect people. I'm going to say that again because it seems like I'm going over... Somewhere it's getting lost out there in translation. The Mosaic law was being used by the Pharisees to entrap people. Instead of using the law to protect people. I've seen people with the love of God use the, the idea of love to entrap people instead of setting people free. A law without love only condemns. I'll say it again. A law without love only condemns. Jesus said, I did not come into the world to condemn the world. I came to save the world. That's what he came for. Paul states in 1 Corinthians 13, the famous love chapter in the Bible. If you didn't know there's a love chapter in the Bible, you can find it in 1 Corinthians 13. And Paul says these words, I am nothing without love. I am nothing if I don't have love. In this life, you can accomplish many wonderful things. You can be the head of a, a corporation. You can have wealth that's amazing. You can have a great faith. You can have all these wonderful things that you can, great knowledge. But without love, really you have nothing. You've got to have love. Love is the foundation of the fruit of the Spirit. Love is what triggers everything else. Why do we do what we do? Why do we do what we do? It should be motivated from our love. Why we do what we do should be motivated from our love. For the last few moments, I want to discuss the love that is produced in our lives through the power of God's Spirit. It's a love that is produced through our own, it's a love not produced through our own humanity. It's a love that is being formed in us by God. The Apostle John writes these words in 1 John 4, 7. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from, everybody say that, for love comes from God. For love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. If you love, what he's saying is that, you know what, you understand more of God because God is love. And love comes from God. In all the scriptures that I share today, in every one of them, the love that is being referenced is an agape love. It's an agape love. Agape love comes from God. It goes, agape love, it goes beyond our feelings. Agape love involves faithfulness. It involves action. Agape love is a selfless love. It's a love that, is, that compelled Jesus to go to the cross for your sins and my sins. He went to the cross. 
And it's the love that compels us to do things that are outside of our normal reaction. It takes us outside of the natural and it brings us into the supernatural. It's what makes this love so strong. Because it's a love that goes beyond our feelings. It's a love that stems from a quality about you. It's an attribute. An attribute is a quality or characteristic ascribed to someone. It's something that is closely associated to that person. So if you know what I'm saying is like if you met someone and you've seen them from far and you say, oh, that's Sally. Man, Sally is such a lovable person. She just, man, she just exudes love from her. Or, hey, hey there's, there's Johnny. Man, Johnny, man, when you talked about Johnny, he's just so faithful. Have you ever seen anybody more faithful? It just exudes from them. It's who they are. It's an attribute of who they are. And there's attributes in the Bible talking about God, faithfulness, goodness, love. All attributes of God. It's who he is. He cannot change that. God is who he is. He's love. He's goodness. He's grace. All these different things. As John wrote in the scripture, love comes from God. It's the quality given to us by God. When we have the spirit of God living in us, his attributes or his quality starts to become our quality. His attributes start to become our attributes. Does that make sense? Let me give you an example. So um, last week, Stephanie, who uh, serves in our office, works here at the church, Stephanie flew up to Seattle. Where's Stephanie? Stephanie here today? Oh, she might be on back. She flew to Seattle. She went to go visit my daughter, Brittany. And so they, Brittany's up at Northwest College. And, and so as they were going there, they were over there on the 4th of July uh, weekend. And so Brittany had some plans. And, and one of the plans they had was they were going to go to some friends of ours that We've been friends with this family for 25 plus years. We've had done multiple family vacations together. They're they really close friends of ours. I talk to Paul is the friend. I talk to him probably, you know, at least twice a month, maybe three times a month. We get on the phone together. We talk about, we try to connect at least once or twice a year. They're good friends. And so they went up to Paul's place. He has a beautiful home. They went up there to, to celebrate the 4th of July. And when Stephanie met Paul, she was hanging out with Paul. And she was just, you know, listening to what Paul said, listening to what Paul, and she said, Pat, when she got home to California, she said, Pastor Tom, it was creepy. He says, he says things just like you say them. He does things just like you do them. He responds to things just like you would respond to things. When I heard him talking, man, there was times I think, that's what Pastor Tom would do. She says, it was kind of creepy, Pastor Tom. Said that the two of you have so many similar qualities. I'm not sure if she, were, she used the word qualities, but something similar to that. The two of you have so many similar qualities. The fruit of our relationship with God is that we begin to take on his qualities and attributes. What happens is the longer that we stay in step, remember last week we talked about staying in step with the Holy Spirit, not getting ahead of him, not getting behind him. The longer we stay in step with the Holy Spirit, what happens, we start taking on his qualities, his attributes in our life. All of a sudden, they start leading us. We're not being led by jealousy and all these other things. Guess what? We're being led by the love of God. Our love needs to be fashioned around his love. His love should become an attribute or a quality of our life. Then our love will not be guided by our feelings. How many of you here struggle with your, don't raise your hand. 
How many here struggle with your emotions or you have difficulties where anger all of a sudden rises up in you? Or, man, you see something happen over there and you start getting jealous and you go, why doesn't that happen to me? And there's jealousy that starts to... We all at times struggle with our emotions or our feelings. But when our feelings are... When, when our love will not be guided by our feelings, instead God's love will become who we are, it changes our emotions. It changes how we react to things. Love begins to affect the direction of our life. It will begin to affect all of the other emotions of our life. Instead of anger, guess what? All of a sudden you're, you're choosing compassion. Instead of jealousy, all of a sudden you're trying to choose understanding. Instead of immorality, you're choosing purity because the love of God is who you are. Instead of unfaithfulness, all of a sudden you're choosing faithfulness. Instead of quarreling, guess what? You're choosing to live in harmony. Instead of selfish ambition, man, you lay your life down as self-sacrifice for someone else. Instead of division, you're choosing unity. Instead of malice, man, you say, I'm going to choose kindness. And it was response not because you're told to do something. It's a response because of who you are because Christ is changing you from the inside out. He's changing how you think. He's changing how you respond. Love is choosing to take action. It's choosing to respond not by feelings or by the direction of culture. It's choosing to respond by an attribute of godliness. When life gives you lemons, how do you respond? There's a chapter in the Bible referred to as the love chapter. It's written by the Apostle Paul. We already talked about it. A man who encountered God's love in amazing ways. He was literally a man who was rescued by God on the way to Damascus on a road where God all of a sudden, Jesus appeared to him and, 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 and had a vision. Paul had this vision of Jesus on the road to Damascus that changed his life. The love of God changed Paul's life. And Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 13, the one where he says, where love never fails and love never ends. Paul's referring to God's love not faltering or changing. It's an everlasting love that's towards you and for me. And in this chapter, he gives a beautiful description of what love is. He says, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. Let me read that one one more time. I think we all struggle with this one. And it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustices, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstances. The love that comes from God is life-changing for both the giver and the receiver. It's a love that should be ever-present in our life. The fruit of the Spirit, it starts off with love. We must always remember that God's love is a choice. God, loved, God chose to love me even when I was unlovable. He chose to love me by becoming a sacrifice for my wrongs. He chose to love me even when, you know what, when I was giving up on myself at times. Have you ever tried to give up on yourself at times? You're just like, oh, guess what? God still loves you. And he doesn't give up on you. Even when you give up, he doesn't. God's love is a choice. And I share that because your love is a choice. It should not be guided by your feelings. It's a choice of who you are. Paul writes in Colossians 3, verse 14. He actually shares some of the fruit of the Spirit. And he shares this scripture. 
And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Notice what he says, Paul writes. He says, put on love. Isn't that a choice? This morning I got dressed, ready to come to church this morning, and I got my clothes out, and I asked my wife, I said, do these pants go with these, with these shirts? And she said, no, so I changed. Do these pants go with, and so I was putting on my clothes, you know, putting on my belt, putting on my shoes, I was putting on my socks, I put all my socks on. And, and what would happen, what would happen is if we went to our closet, and we have a hanger there with a shirt, and we have the hanger there with the, with the pants, and we have a hanger there that says love. And every morning as we, as we got dressed, we would take the hanger of love out, and we put on love. I'm choosing, just like you're putting on your socks every day. James, uh, James is here. I'm sorry, man, because he doesn't wear socks. But if you're putting on your socks every day, you're putting on love every day. Every day you choose to put on the garment of love. You choose to leave that day, not with hate, not with anger, not with jealousy. Not, no, I'm going to put on love. I read a book a couple of years ago entitled Love Does, written by Bob Goff. If you've never read the book, I encourage you to read it. Powerful book, Love Does. I just love the title. The title's so cool, Love Does. The reason the title is so, is so cool is because love has to be attached to our actions. If love is only a thought, if love is just something that, you know, just out there but you never act upon it, then guess what? It does no good. Love has to be an action. It has to go beyond feeling. It must become something that we do. Bob writes in his book these words. In the end, love doesn't just keep thinking about it or keep planning for it. Simply put, love does. And I think that is what Christ wants to do in each and every one of our lives. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. But the greatest of these is love. And we are to put on love because love is the one that leads all the others. See, the fruit of the Spirit is not fruits of the Spirit. In if you read technicality, it's the fruit of the Spirit. It's all of them together. But love is the component that leads everything. You got to put on love. And when you have the Holy Spirit residing in you, you have God's love in you that can change you from the inside out. I was praying this week, and I pray every week about Sunday and the message I'm going to speak and how, how, what, Lord, what do you want me to share? How do you want me to, you know, how do you want me to package it? What do you want me to, and I just felt so impressed that the Lord shared, you know, there's some that are struggling with their emotions. They're struggling with anger and jealousy and hatred whatever it might be, selfishness. And he said, I just felt like the Lord impressed If they understood my love, if they just understood how to step into my love, all these other emotions would be resolved. You wouldn't respond in the way that the flesh would want you to respond to when all of a sudden the little boy that you're raising called your son and he hucks, gets that hard toy 
and hits his sister in the head. When life gives you lemons, how are you going to respond? And you could respond, we've done it. You go over there, you can't do that. You slap their hand, you spank their bottom, whatever else. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't, you should not. I'm not going down that road. But what happens if we respond in love? You go over there, hey, and you have a conversation. Why did you choose to do that? And you start talking to your child at a very young age and introducing them into the love of God. You know, that hurt your sister. Let's talk about that. Why would that come out? What's that? Love can change our emotions. How we respond. We do not have to respond like culture responds. We do not have to respond like our friends respond. We don't have to respond like my parents responded. I don't have to respond like my, you know, do you know what I'm saying? You might have been raised in a home that, man, is just like, man, if you didn't, if there wasn't yelling, you didn't love each other. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you're just, you know, and yet there is no peace in your home. There is no peace. And man, in your heart, you just desire, man, I wish I could have peace. I'm telling you today, the answer for you is the first fruit of the Spirit that we're talking about, the first component, and that is to embrace the love of God. And God's love will change how you respond to everything else. Amen? When life gives you limits. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that your word does not return void, that your word is powerful, it is strong, it is effective. We can never get away from your word or from your love, Lord. We can never get away. The Apostle Paul writes about it. No matter, your, your love goes so far. We are never separated from your love. I pray, Lord, that today that we would learn how to put on love, how to step into love in a new way that would affect the rest of our life how we react to people, how we do certain things. People would look at us and say, what is so different about that person? What is so different about Tom? What is so different about George? What is so different? Fill in the blank. It's the love of Christ in our life. God, give us that love today, I pray. As heads are bowed, eyes closed for just a moment. I just feel compelled to ask this question maybe you're just struggling and you've noticed yourself responding in ways that you wish you would not respond in that way. Maybe you're responding differently to your husband or to your children or maybe to your parents or maybe at the co-workers, whatever it might be and you get aggravated. We've all done it. I, I'm standing here talking to you. I get, why did I say that? Why did I respond that way? And, and, and you're getting frustrated and you want God to take control of that area of your life. I believe the answer is love. And I feel like today that you just need to step out in faith. We're trying at this church to create environments to see what God can do through our lives. That vision statement is either true or not true. And if you want to create an environment in your life that can change your future and put on love, I want you to raise your hand real high today. Say, yeah, Pastor Tom, I need that in my life today. And I want you to keep your hand up real high because we're going to say a prayer. If you've been struggling, say, man, I just need more of God's love in me to respond in the right way. Lord Jesus, you see the hands that are raised toward you today. They're hands, Lord God, that are humbled before you. Then we don't have all the answers. At times we struggle to respond in the right way. 
And God, today we raise our hands to you and ask, Lord God, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would continue to change us even in a greater way than ever before. And we ask, Lord God, as we wake every morning, that we would put on love. Remind us by the power of your Spirit. We invite your Spirit, Lord God. And ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.